Welcome back to the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. We're glad that you've chosen to make us part of your listening experience. We're starting an Out of the Vault series featuring sessions from the 2018 Pastors Conference that TCSC hosts every year. You're gonna hear messages from Jim Cimbala, who's written numerous books and pastors the famous Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, as well as from Pastor Gary Wilkerson and our very own Ron Brown. Today, we're tuning into the fourth session from Pastor Jim Cimbala. Listen in, be blessed, and thanks for choosing the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. We can put the lights on. We can put the lights on. I just want to talk to you for a few minutes, and we're going to dismiss. you got a great dinner coming up. Isn't that an encouragement? Oh, my goodness. You know the first guy, Harold, that, that you saw there, the first testimony? Last time I was there, we were having lunch together with about five of these other guys. The, the, the video has about six of their testimonies. Amazing. So we're sitting there, and I always tell the warden when I come, warden, now make a nice meal for me, but it's really not for me. I don't care about the food, but I know they're going to eat with me, and they're going to get high-end food. They're so happy. They're bringing it back to their cell and whatnot, and, um, or their dorm, depending where they live. So uh, that guy, first guy, Greg, I was asking, so how are you guys doing? How are you doing? Is there anything you need and all of that? And that first guy, he's very gentle. He got pipes. The dude has pipes. If he would get upset and, and grab you before anyone could help you, bye-bye. And he said to me, Pastor, you keep asking what we need and all that. Pastor, how are you doing? Could I pray for you? Could we pray for you? Because you must have a lot of stuff you're going through. He's serving life. And he's asking me, is there stuff you're going through that I could pray about? It's amazing how Jesus can change somebody. Amen? So, um, you're talking about that racial uh, thing when I, you see these guys together. You know, in a crack house, uh, it's totally interracial. Um, on the New York Yankees, it's totally interracial. Dodgers, Angels, totally interracial. We lost four people at 9-11, and at one of the services for an officer who died, Mayor Giuliani then said from the pulpit that, um, he said, I'm not saying I live this way, but none of the EMS people who went up, none of the cops walking up to their death, they didn't know it. None of them were going up and saying, I wonder how many people are making 250,000 up here. I wonder how many are making 50,000. I wonder how many Jews are here, or black, or white, no. He said, when you're saving lives, nothing matters. If only all the Christian churches would have that. I had more openness and freedom with people playing, I'm so glad I was raised that way, playing basketball in New York City in the parks and playgrounds. You think we cared what anybody's color was? The only question is, can you play? <laughs> if you can play, you're my man. Otherwise, I don't care what color you are. And I said this in Arkansas to the Southern Baptist Convention. All their churches gathered a month or so. I was in Little Rock. And I, I say it to you firmly, but if you don't want everybody who God, Christ died for out in the street, 
If you don't want them in your church this Sunday, black, white, Hispanic, straight, gay, poor, rich, shelter, if you don't want them in your church, don't really want them, the best thing you could do really to help everyone, God and his church, is to resign from the ministry this week. And just wait, wait, and get out. Get out because you're a terrible advertisement for Jesus Christ. Terrible. You're, you're now forming ideas in people's minds. You're twisting who Jesus is. And that's so sad. That is really so sad. And, and I mean that in, in, a, in, a, in a true way. We, we can't misrepresent Jesus. You can't be selective in who you love. Pastor Gary was talking about a baptism of love. Well, when God baptizes, you, you see people the way he sees them. Do you think he sees color? You, you feel what he feels. Do you think it, it, what he sees and he feels, that's what we need, don't we? Let me suggest this to you about preaching. If you can be with God and let him renew that love and you see people the way he sees them and feel what he feels, you will preach good. Because love always gets through. Love always finds a way to get through. But if it's just a crowd and you want a certain kind of person, you know, that's so sad. What a tragedy that is. That, the, you know, the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. They just think the world is ahead of us. You know, Mariano Rivera, the great closer for the Yankees, is a personal friend of mine. And... Um, Years ago when I first met him and he came spoke at our church, he really loves the Lord. And we met afterward to talk about the things of God. We sat for hours and uh, talk about baseball too. And Mariano said to me, Pastor, can I ask you a question? How come the Yankees are more integrated than the Christians? I said, what do you mean, Mariano? He said, because on the Yankees, nobody cares what Jeter is. Nobody cares that I'm from Panama. Nobody cares who's black, A-Rod, this one, that one. There's a camaraderie. He said, but with Christians, the blacks are over there, the whites are over there, the Hispanics. I grew up in a denomination that was so racist, little, when I was real little, that they had a strict doctrine emphasis, which is just really weird but they were as bigoted as, as could be. So you know what they did? They formed a sister organization just for black people. Same doctrine. So if any, yeah, I'm very serious. So that if black people came, they could go, we really happy you're here. Now we have a church in town, it's called the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ or whatever, you can go over there. Imagine that. And then they're talking about, do you cut your hair? Do you wear makeup? Do you? You know, and this and that, and just so horrible. So, in the 1850s, you know, this gangly, not very nice looking guy from uh, Illinois started uh, to make speeches, and it was in the middle of what was called the abolitionist movement, where people were trying to do away with slavery, some people were. And the abolitionists, uh, who were mostly from the North, were against slavery. And as new states formed, like Kansas and Missouri, the question was, would, California was not a state by a long shot by then. So are they going to be slave states, or are they going to be free states? 
and uh, the South and the s slave states were fighting for no, we're gonna have slavery there. And, and, the, and the other states were saying, no, we're not gonna have that. And Kansas be called, became called bloody Kansas because people started shooting at each other over the issue. So in the midst of all of that foment, which was gonna then lead to the Civil War in 1861, this guy started making speeches. He had won some races politically, he had lost some. Uh, but Abraham Lincoln got a speech which was called um, House Divided Against Itself Speech. And Lincoln, it's odd that he would call it that and quote the Bible because he's the only president in the history of our country who had no religious affiliation. He was a very sensitive soul, and the way he explained it was, and people close to him, when he grew up and he saw all the fussing and fighting between the Methodists and others that were in Kentucky, Indiana, and then Illinois, which is where he lived, when he saw all of that, it, it was like, that can't be about God, that can't be about Jesus, because look how they fuss and fight. But as you know, the Civil War and all the stress of that made him read the Bible, and he quoted the Bible probably more than any president who ever lived. But in this House Divide Against its speech, he quoted from the book of Mark, where Jesus, who had been casting out demons, was attacked by the religious leaders who said, you know why he has authority over evil spirits? Because he's on their side. He's the prince of Beelzebub. He's, 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 he's over there and that's why they obey him. And Jesus, instead of saying, well, wait a minute, do you know who I am? Do you know how I was born? Do you know where I came from? What are you talking about? What is that sound? Is that me? Oh, okay. It's my bad. Here I was getting irritated, and it was me. How about that? <laughs> That'll teach you. So, so um, he, uh, Jesus was casting out these demons, and they said that. And he used an unusual line of reasoning. He said, Instead of saying, I'm the son of God, you know what I'll just do is, just give me a handheld if you have one. Okay. I don't even know how to get it off of here. Thank you, Pastor Gary, for that kind word. So, so anyway, so Lincoln said, no, 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 no. He didn't claim his divinity as the excuse or the uh, reason it couldn't have been that. He said, no. If, look, if Satan casts out Satan, then his end is near because no house divided against itself can stand, and no kingdom against divided against itself can stand. And Satan isn't that stupid to be divided. He's got team spirit, he's got unity. So I just wanna leave this with you because I've seen it as a pitfall for churches. We tried to guard against it in our church uh, because if you have division, what Jesus was teaching was that division 
has an inherent nature that brings dissolution and destruction, holds you back. You can quote your verses. You can try to walk by faith. You can pray for your church. You can prepare your sermons. But if there's gossip, slander, division, strife, enmity, all that stuff, you're on a treadmill. You're always moving, but you're going nowhere. Oh, you'll keep moving, and you'll expend energy, but it ain't going nowhere because the first principle that Jesus laid down is anything that's divided is weakened. Anything. So let's think about that. How weakened is the body of Christ now with all that's facing us by the terrible divisions we have, which it seems we've always had? Remember what Paul says to Corinth, which had all the gifts of the Spirit in operation, had faith, miracles, everything. Read 1 Corinthians. They, they came behind and no gift. But he said, are you not carnal? One says I'm of Paul. One says I'm of Cephas. One says I'm of Apollos. One says I'm Church of God. One says I'm Southern Baptist. One says I'm charismatic. These are not words that are not in the Bible. These words are not in the Bible. Why would we use words that are not in the Bible? And what do they cause? They cause division. Because whatever you call yourself, other people are not that. So now you've put a wall up between us. My wife and I have had this happen a million times. We have people visit us who are part of whatever denomination. And I don't fault them. They do what they want to do. But they'll talk like this to us. You know, what we're going to do in the next five years, we, what we are going to do, or what we're, and their we doesn't include my wife and I. Now, why is that? I thought it's we Christians. End of story. The only division you'll see in the, in, the, in the church in the New Testament are local churches. The church at Philadelphia, the church at Thyatira, the church at Ephesus, the church at Laodicea. Yeah, there's divisions that way, but they're all forming just one body. So think of the duplication of missionary money now. Think of... The, 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 the grieving of the Holy Spirit when we don't pray for each other, but we compete with each other. Think about the pastors I've learned about and even saw growing up who had strategies to steal members from other churches. Oh, that'll breed a wonderful spirit of love and unity, won't it? <laughs> Just think of that. No, I want you to think about it. Think about our country. The Civil War ended in 1865. Look at the disaster our country is, still on the race question. Still on the race question. And the church, instead of being salt and light and, sh and setting an example, no. No. Study the history of the Civil Rights Movement. Martin Luther King Jr. was marching down there, not with uh, spirit-filled, Bible-believing Christians, for the most part. He was marching with people who didn't even, weren't even believers. Some were. But there were a lot of liberal Jewish people and other folks marching because they knew this is wrong. This is wrong. What do you mean a fountain for whites only? Come on, that's stupid. But not the church. The church feeds into it. And my brother Ron and I were talking about certain denominations which have southern roots and southwestern roots. There's like in the fabric of it, there's, a, there's, there's this thing of their other. They're other. How about this? Here's what God made real to me one day. No one is more other than you are to God. You want to talk about someone who's other? You have trouble with, you're xenophobic. You have trouble with people who are like different and other. Well, just think if God had that attitude. 
we're sinful and lost and he's holy and pure. But does he ever say like, no, you're so like different. Ugh. No, he loves us. How many want that love in our churches and that, and that unity? So um, it can be in a choir. It can be, my wife has, we, we talk to the choir members when they come in. We're just telling you now, you're going to pray, we're going to sing our parts, we're going to minister. If we find you talk about other choir members, you'll be hauled in front of some of the pastors, and you'll maybe get one warning, maybe otherwise you're out, find another ministry. What's the sense of praying and practicing and then grieving the Holy Spirit by division? I mean, just th listen, listen, just think of all the stuff that goes on that's compromised because underneath where God looks, there's disunity. Listen, when I was playing ball, played in the NCAA tournament, March Madness, right? Everybody knew, you know this if you follow sports, sometimes a guy who's really gifted athletically, he can be bad for the team because he's divisive. And when you get rid of him, the team actually plays better because the guy's a bad actor. He causes problems, talks against the coach, causes division of all kinds. They know that in sports. They're teaching unity over in Korea when I was there. Uh, Tayo, um, um, the, the Korean car dealers, Kia and all the rest, and in Japan too. They're trying to build, they know you work better when you're unified. We need to, we need to really listen to these verses. Endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You gotta hate division like, like cancer. It is a cancer. And, and drugs and alcohol, immorality, they slay their thousands. But trust me, division slays their tens of thousands. Underneath the surface is, oh, praise God, and all of that. And underneath it's whatever, talking. I've told our pastors who I work with, listen, I could never go up and preach if I knew you had ought against me. Couldn't do it. So get to me quick if I've hurt you so we can get it right. Because you think I'm going to go up there and preach and have you watching me and know that we have a thing going on? No way. I can't do it. If you can do it, praise God. But I can't do that. Can't do that. You can't. I met once was doing a, a, a music conference in, um, I was doing a music conference in um, Houston. And a guy came up to me, a minister of music from Ohio. And he started crying the minute he talked to me. And he said, Pastor, what should I do? I said, what's wrong? He said, I direct the choir to praise and worship. I got this thing. I got convicted while you were talking. I said, what's, tell me so we can pray. I know. The pastor and me, we just, we're, we're, we don't have to, we're not on the same page. I said, no, you'll get it together. He said, no, we haven't talked in a year and a half. I went, I stand corrected. You're not on the same page. You're totally right. Oh, the, so I said to him, oh, your meetings must be just wonderful. Must be like Azusa Street. Must be like Book of Acts. I can imagine how the glory of God must come when the minister of music and the choir director hasn't talked with the pastor because they got a fight going on, a grudge going on. Oh, that must be just wonderful there. So Satan, he, he works. He's, he's the most divisive one. Amen. Whenever you see, you, you see division, you see two things, pride and Satan. Pride and Satan. 
Wherever there's pride, the Bible says there's division. Proverbs, read it. And there's that. Somebody's ego got in the way. And Satan loves to stir that up because then he knows our prayers are compromised. Am I right? Our, our worship is compromised. And then you settle for performance without integrity at the bottom. We got to be right. How about a church staff? Maybe you need, as I close, you need to go back and pray, ask God for wisdom. Can't be a bull in a china shop, but you got to go back and say, wait a minute. It, it isn't right between some of my own associates, deacons, the people I work with, the board. Oh, the board. The board. Depending on the government of your church, right? Some churches have elders. And the battle between the pastor and the elders. Or the, I had a guy come to me one time. He said, you know, Jim, I got so depressed the other day. I said, why? He said, because I read in the book of Revelation that in heaven there's four and 20 elders. I can't get along with the five that I have in my church. What am I going to do with the four and 20? Good grief. So on Sunday, this is true now, now we can pray, is we, we really got to watch this. I'm talking about things that I count as very important. You can't, there's never been a revival where there's been fighting. Never. Never. And the man of God must be peaceful and not quarrel and be fussing and fighting with everybody. So yesterday, uh, yeah, today's Monday. So yesterday, in 9-11 and 1, we brought in members, maybe new members, maybe 125 new members, 130 new members divided in the services. So let me just tell you what came to me 20-some years ago. I've been saying it ever since, every couple months when we bring in members. So I call their names. They all come up. They stand there. The church watching. This is every single year. Choir's behind me. They're watching, so I have called all their names. Oh, it was so beautiful yesterday. Malaysia, Suriname, Nigeria, down south, Mississippi, California, Trinidad, a lot from Haiti, just God's Rainbow Coalition. And I read their names, so I told them, hey, we're here to serve you. Don't talk about the Brooklyn Tabernacle. That'll get us in trouble with God because the only name he wants glorified is Jesus. Invite people to church, but don't make a big thing about the church name, please. And uh, find where you, you're to serve. If you come to this church, this is exactly what I said less than 24 hours ago. So if, if you came here and God led you, no one asked you to join. Never ask people to join your church. That's not polite. If God wants them there, he'll speak to them and they'll join. And sometimes if you force them to join, you'll be sorry you asked them to join because <laughs> they will bite you. So, uh, um, so why did God send you here? What gift do you have? What energy do you have? What ministry can you serve in? How can you pray? How can you go out and witness like Pastor Gary was saying so eloquently? What, what's the part that you're supposed to play in the body? We all have a part. Come on. The knees do certain things, the ears, the eyes. Okay, so now we're going to pray for you. So now I'm just going to tell you now this. 
before we pray for you. You're now members of the church. So now the pastors are standing behind me, and you got about 30 deacons and deaconesses standing behind them in front of the choir. So now I want to say this to you. You have authority from me. You hear anyone speak an unkind, critical word about another member, a deacon, a pastor, a choir member, an usher, security, anyone. You hear anybody talking like that. You have authority from me to stop them in mid-sentence and say, whoa, 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 time out. We don't do that here. Who hurt you? Tell me who hurt you. Pastor Symbol hurt you? I can understand that. He's flawed. So let's wait, wait. You, you, I'll bring you to his office, and he will kneel, which I have, and he will apologize. Or if an usher hurts you, he'll cut the usher or the security person, whoever hurt you. He will get them. You will get it right. We will talk. We will apologize. We'll cry. We'll pray. But we won't come out until it's right. So no one's allowed to talk evil about another person who's not there to defend themselves. Am I right, congregation? And everybody gives a loud amen. Is that, the full, is that a foolproof um, scheme? No. But it's good to remind the people. Amen? How important unity is. Listen to this verse. Paul says... I won something? So, Paul says, Paul says, mark those that cause division among you. After two warnings, don't have anything to do with them. I don't know hardly any church putting that into practice. Oh, someone smoked some weed. Oh, someone took a drink. Someone backslid and had a six-pack. This and that. that. Listen, those are things we have to address. But people who gossip and slander, they destroy the church way worse. And, and sometimes they're the ones helping serve communion. They're in leadership. So mark those that cause division among you. That was a problem in the early church. They're, they're, they, they go about just causing division. So we want peace in our churches. How are we going to preach the gospel, see what Pastor Gary talked about, see what I've been talking about, without peace? No fussing, no fighting. Just peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from, from the Father above. Father, we pray. Thank you for the time we've had together today. Thank you how I've been helped. I pray the people have been helped. I thank you for the privilege of being here. But, Lord, we lift up our churches to you now, starting with my own, Lord. Send a spirit of peace and unity, Lord, among the staff, among the choir, among the Christian ed workers, among the deacons. Peace, Lord. Take away gossip from our churches. A critical spirit. Take it away from Teen Challenge. How can programs prosper and be effective if they're divided themselves? Do a, and, and reveal divisive people so that we can deal with them, Lord. Because not everyone has faith. And some are sent as emissaries of Satan to cause trouble in God's house. 
This is very delicate business, so God, you have to give us extreme wisdom and love and discernment, Lord. But we give all our churches, our staffs, everything. You know how this word that I felt you laid on my heart is to be applied to the people that are listening to me. We each have our individual situations. Don't let there be division in our marriages, in our families. Help us never to discriminate by race or by denomination, but help us to recognize we are all one. We are all one. You're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. We pray that, Lord. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. In fathomless billows one last time, just lift up your hands, sing. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep Forever I pray in Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you haven't already, subscribe today on your mobile device to get exclusive new content from Teen Challenge of Southern California. For more information, visit us on the web at teenchallenge.org.